0: morning, good morning, how are we doing? this fine, beautiful morning. Indeed, a beautiful sunny sky, not a cloud in the sky. This is the Morning Mix. I am your host, Ellie Shapiro, and we broadcast to you live. You can always call in the number is 02579-TALK-8255. But, uh, When no one calls in, we still have what to say. That's the truth. There's always what to say right now. We wish that it was a boring, a boring day. We wish that it was dull, nothing going on. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just the opposite. And we are today going to be addressing a topic. Um, with different, from different angles. The topic today is going to be virtue signaling. We talk about that a lot because it's unfortunately a virus that has infected so much of our daily life. But beyond the virtue signal, there's another element of virtue signaling, and that is something called luxury beliefs. And I thank Bill Whittle for directing me into the, to find this article. Thing called luxury beliefs. Luxury beliefs and virtue signaling. Different ideas. Different ideas that we're going to develop, discuss. But before that, before that, I want to play a clip. I want to play a clip because this clip, you know, when a Thursday we talked about. The idea that the virus may have been developed in a lab, in fact, according to Brett Weinstein, it was ninety percent chances are that it was developed in a lab. And the only reason we weren't allowed to talk about that was because it was politically, politically, uh, um, one side had already mentioned it. So therefore, if you if you took if you if you if you if you discussed that. If you discuss that, then that would mean that you are on the other side, or you're on that you're on that side. And God forbid. So it was it was political poison. It was intolerable to discuss it. And therefore, whatever the implications of ignoring it, well, that's okay, because because we can't, God forbid, suggest that that side is right. Understand that that's what it means. That any any result that could have been avoided had we been able to develop to discuss that the virus was manufactured. Not that it was unleashed intentionally. Just remember, just because it was manufactured doesn't mean it was unleashed. But the fact that we weren't able to discuss that and whatever death and destruction was caused, so so be it. But there's no politics. So that was Thursday. There was no there's no politics. Let's let's please Please don't don't suggest that there's politics. I mean, they themselves suggested that Said that there's politics, but there's no politics. God forbid. Okay, that was Thursday. Yesterday, we addressed the idea of how of how information can be tainted, and if everybody is accepting the same source of information, then everybody's information is is tainted. Everybody's information is polarized because it's all from one side. So it's not a surprise if you have the entire world parroting one idea when they're all getting their information from one side. For example, the the um, Neil Ferguson study, uh, epidemiological um, study, but uh, findings for his you know from the the computer the computer analysis that two point two million Americans would die and even one million Americans would die by October, even if the most the most aggressive social distancing was observed. A million Americans would still die. So, so this, the idea that it can't be that our information, that our information could all come from one source and that would be tainting, tainting the water that we're all drinking from. No, no, no. God forbid. That could never happen. Never, 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 never. Okay. Well, today I want to, I want to, you know, take those, those ideas that we've, that we're building on. We're going to discuss just how these things happen. We're how, just how these things happen. And we're going to watch them in front of our eyes. We we'll watch them in front of our eyes. That's the, that's the goal here. That's the goal here. We're going to watch them in front of our very eyes. So I'm going to play a clip. This is a clip from a conversation with Bill Gates. Bill Gates was asked. Bill Gates was asked. Now that the this this pandemic, you know, he predicted the pandemic. Of course, now that this pandemic is behind us, what can we do? What is the solution? So let's hear what what Bill Gates has to say. His solution, meaning before the solution, is this: What else? You know, are we going to? Should we now devote our time to? another pandemic or are there other crises that you would rate as comparable to the pandemic that we should focus on
1: humans have an issue though with fighting the last battle potentially so if we focus on pandemics now and there isn't one say for another hundred years what is the next disaster what is the one that we're not prepared for
2: Well, I'd point out two. One is climate change. Every year that would be a death toll even greater uh, than we've had in this pandemic. Also, related to pandemics is something people don't like to talk about much, which is bioterrorism, that somebody who wants to cause damage could engineer uh, a virus. And so that means the cost, the chance of running into this is more than just the naturally caused epidemics like uh, the current.
0: Okay, so... There you have it. So there are two issues now.
2: First of all, don't think for
0: a second that there's no virus that can happen, you know, even though this one was obviously accidental 100%, no questions asked. But a bio weapon could be developed and now we've seen, so we have to take major precautions. Okay. The second is and he's equating these. He is equating these. Whatever whatever we've done for this, we have to do take but the steps that we've taken in order to avoid these things, we have to do for climate change. So that's the attitude of Bill Gates. Bill Gates says, whatever you've done now, we have to do for climate change. Now, what does he say about the solution? What is the solution to, 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 uh, not to climate change, but to, but to the virus and, and, and others like it? Let's hear that.
1: Or, or sort of, what are the key elements that we didn't have that we should have going forward?
2: I would divide it into two sections. There's the field-based activity and the R and activity. In R and D, uh, we need to mature mRNA so we can make it even faster and have factories all over the world. Have it be cheap and thermal stable. There's a lot that can go into therapeutics, including antibodies. On diagnostics, having the ability to give 10 million PCR tests a day. Then in terms of the field, we need uh, a lot of diagnostic machines all over the world. We need a team of epidemiologists. So the investments are about equal.
0: Okay, so what's the solution? Mass vaccinations, testing. If everybody was constantly being uh, mRNA'd, then there wouldn't be any – the the, 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 the risk of viruses would be – Virtually obliterated. It's all we have to do. Just mass vaccinations. That's a great idea. That was another great idea. What could be wrong with that? And I want to play, it's a little bit of a longer clip, but I want to play what he says is, obviously there's a big problem. There's a big problem these days, and that is that information is being discussed that is simply false. and People are getting mis- misinformed, being misinformed. So let's hear what Bill Gates has to say about that.
2: I mean, I have friends who ask me about these variants where I'm just stunned at how up to date they are with the latest information. So for people who want to learn facts – this is a golden age. You know, we focus on the negative part with some of these conspiracy theories and anti-factual things. And so because social media is so new, figuring out how you curb that, you know, labeling it, restrict the speed of spread of things that are titillating but false. Uh, we are missing some good ideas to, uh, you know, not have this kind of uh, scary uh, phenomena that in the case of anti-vaccine things may Slow down how quickly we get lots of people uh, to take the vaccine and therefore extend the epidemic and, and cost us in in tens of thousands of lives. It feels like you're running up against, you know, kind of. OK, so his first his
0: first his first problem, his first problem is that he says, is that because people are not taking the vaccine, it's costing Lots of lives because people are because there's, because of skepticism of taking the vaccine. I just saw a headline. I'm not going to get into this today, but I saw a headline in one of the in a uh, Jerusalem Post, I think it was, that uh, because we will never reach we will never reach herd immunity because there are 2.5 million children who aren't ever going to be vaccinated. So because of those 2.5, so now we've 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 gone through the stage of the vulnerable. We've gone through the stage of the uh, the non-vulnerable, non-vul- non-vul- but still with no, you know, not vulnerable to the vaccine either. Let's just vaccinate them. Children who have virtually an, an infantismal, you know, uh, uh, if any, risk for themselves or even spreading it, but they're the reason why. Understand this is a never-ending, like we said yesterday, until you vaccinate everybody, this argument is always going to be. So, his solution, obviously, is to vaccinate everybody. And if you even question, Whether or not the vaccine is safe? Well, let's hear what he says.
2: I mean, I have friends who ask me about these variants where I'm just stunned at how up-to-date they are with the latest information. So for people who want to learn facts...
1: That great American principle of of free speech, right? I think it's, it's a great point that you bring up that, you know, in the past the problem was kind of scarcity, getting access to this sort of information, and now it's sort of a problem of too much and figuring out which is the good stuff and which is not.
2: Well, there are certainly clear things like you know, saying completely false things about, you know, vaccines. But there is kind of a gray area in the middle that figuring out what the rules are and who should be the one looking and interpreting those rules, wow, we are missing that today. You know, can you get a group of experts that are weighing in on these things? You don't really want the profit motive involved, uh, but you want, uh, you know, expertise and capacity. And so, you know, a few years from now, I hope we're more sophisticated on uh, what, how that line should be.
0: So that's his solution. We need a bunch of experts, experts to decide. Obviously, the the false stuff, all the lies about vaccines. So that's easy. You can just you know just take that all down and eliminate it. No question, of course. But what about the gray area? I'd like to know what gray area is for Bill Gates. What about the gray area? What about it? What about it? So then you need experts. 'Cause the experts, they are going to be able to decide whether or not what we're listening to is is what we're reading is truth and or whether or not it's dangerous for us. See, isn't it great? Isn't it great to have people who are able to protect us from misinformation? Isn't it a wonderful thing? I think it's a phenomenal thing. Isn't it a wonderful thing? I want to read a quote. I want to read a quote it's from C.S. Lewis. I want to read a quote because this is a quote that we really, you know, we should take this with us through most of our conversations. This quote is, um, it, 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 it sums the idea up in a way that only C.S. Lewis could. So he says as follows. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent, moral, busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. They may be more likely to go to heaven yet at the same time likelier to make a hell of earth. This very kindness stings with intolerable insult to be cured against one's will and cured of states which we may not regard as disease is to be put on a level of those who have not yet reached the age of reason or those who never will. To be classed with infants imbeciles and domestic animals. So that is how C.S. Lewis defined what we are seeing today. These people who they, they have their, their conscience has, is, is, is only, is only pushing them further in their tyranny. Everything they're doing is only for good. That they tell themselves, I don't believe that, obviously, we know that. And he even says, he says they may be more likely to go to heaven. Maybe, right? We don't, we don't, we know that's not true, but it's not, it's not even the point. Even if they are, even if they are, they are ruining the world. So that is, you know, Bill Gates, he's able to, He. he this, is, this is all he wants to do. All he wants to do is just help people. It's all he wants to do. He just wants to help people. Isn't it a wonderful thing that all Bill Gates wants to do is help people? I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that he, all he wants to do is help people. Now, there are, there are, there are, so, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take this thought though. We're going to take this thought and we're going to, and we're going to develop it. So we mentioned before that this thing called, you know, we have virtue signaling and we have, we have luxury beliefs. The following is an article written by Rob Henderson. It was in the National Post a, couple, a year and a half ago. The National Post, the the, the New York Post. Rob Henderson is a uh, he served in the Air Force. He's a PhD. Uh, he's a PhD candidate at the University of Cambridge. That was as of when he when he published this. Is at the bottom of the post article. Rob Henderson. So this idea of luxury beliefs. What are luxury beliefs? There's a line they said that the hardest thing you can do. Is move your family one of so it's the top, this top three list the hardest things to do is move your family pick up and move your family, so they someone coined the line the hardest thing to do is is to pull the lever for the Republicans meaning it's easier people are finding it easier today to move their families than to just stop voting for the Democrats why is that so let's hear this article See this he puts it in a way that uh, I that I couldn't do justice a former classmate from Yale recently told me monogamy. It's kind of outdated and not good for society. So I asked her what her background is and if she planned to marry. She said she comes from an affluent family and works at a well-known technology company. Yes, she personally intends to have a monogamous marriage, but quickly added that marriage shouldn't have to be for everyone. She was raised by a traditional family. She planned on having a traditional family, but she maintained that traditional families are old-fashioned and society should evolve beyond them. What could explain this? In the past, says Rob Henderson, upper class Americans used to display their social status with luxury goods. But today, today, they don't, dis- they display it with luxury beliefs. People care a lot about social status. In fact, research indicates that respect and admiration from our peers are even more important than money. For our sense of well-being. And I found an article, I was looking for specifically about this. It's an, it's an anti-empire.com article comparing flawed election polling to flawed lockdown polling. Now, if you recall, we mentioned that there, there are really two different, the, the polls got the election, um, you know, masterfully wrong, unbelievably wrong. Both this one, both the previous one in 2016, why? 2018, why? Why did they get it so wrong? So there were two theories that we suggested. One of them, one of them is intentional, or the second is, is unintentional. The idea that it's unintentional, so how did they get it wrong? Well, to that itself, there could be two theories. Either they, they're, you know, they're, they're simply only asking people who, who, you know, in certain, in certain markets, which, you know, which, which, which is just that they're poor, poor polars so we have to assume that it's not that really it's that people are answering people are answering the question based on how they would want a society to live and they're not answering the question based on what their actual beliefs are or how or how they're going to vote so as a result you end up having that the that it's not intentional from the from the from the from the people, from the pollster's perspective, and it was done until tele- and, 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 and it was done. In, it was done properly. You know, they. they it, there's a science to this, but the people are lying because the people are virtue signaling. Now, the alternative is, as we mentioned, just not to get into this, but the, the alternative is that obviously it's they're called suppression polls, and they don't want people to really know. But put that aside. Let's just assume that it's innocent, right? We always want to suggest it's all innocent. So these are the same people who are producing surveys purporting to show that COVID cult COVID lockdowns are popular. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the point that the same, the same studies, the same studies, um, the same studies that there are, that, that there are about uh, the same polls that there are about, um, about the voting also also the same companies are doing the same polls for lockdown. So in reality all these polls show is that the pollsters reached out to a sample among which lockdowns amongst, among which lockdowns are popular or put more accurately to a sample which has memorized the socially desirable answer and is repeating it to its to pollsters. In reality even if there was a genuine popular outcry for lockdowns that still wouldn't mean anything. This is, a, this is still the same article, not not the original article that I read. I'm, just, I'm, I'm putting this in parentheses here just because I, I want to explain exactly what, what's going on around us. A, anyone who wants to barricade themselves in their home is already perfectly free to do so. But doing so does not grant them the right to demand everyone else follow suit when they are in the majority or not. Whether they are in the majority or not. So again, you can lock yourself down. But the idea that demanding everybody else lockdown, well, you don't have the right to do. The second, the second, and I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm all, I also have my own parentheses within within this. So there's a parentheses within parentheses. I think demonstrated pre- preferences, Trump express preferences. Humans are manipulative social animals with dual brains who say one thing and do another. People are perfectly capable of telling pollsters they support a lockdown because they are virtue signaling or being careful to avoid social stigma, or because they want their neighbors locked down, but at the same time have every intention of skirting it themselves. In reality, almost nobody wants a mandatory lockdown for themselves, which is clearly demonstrated by the fact that almost nobody follows it to a T. How many people do we know that they wear the mask over their eyes, but then they have their married children over to visit? during lockdown the only difference is that one group of lockdown resistors are hypocrites or liars who will nonetheless claim they approve of it while the others are principled resistors who want freedom for everyone and aren't afraid to do so we feel pressure to display our status going back to the article so so, so this is going back to the original article from called luxury beliefs that we we the, the, Okay, let's continue. Let's let's continue this. So, um, we feel, we feel pressure, says Rob, to display our status in new ways. This is why fashionable clothes always change, but trendy clothes and other products become more accessible and affordable. Again, he's drawing the parallel between how it used to be that we would, that we would, that we would try to, um, that we would, that we would show our our wealth through our through through flaunting our wealth through um, you know clothes and and jewelry and today it's it's not this is why fast so, so he says but as trendy clothes and other products become more accessible and affordable there was increasingly less status attached to luxury goods remember what a Ro- Sorry, remember what a Rolex used indicated thirty years ago elitists need elitists need. To increase the distance between themselves and the common folk. Okay, this is, this is explaining this idea. Explain this idea. What does it mean? Yeah, that as trendy clothes and other products become more accessible and affordable, there is increasing, increasingly less status attached to luxury goods. So what do elitists have to do? Well, they now have to increase their this this, the distance between themselves and the common folk. Let us share a story. So my, um uh, my Rebbe, he, uh, he has a girls school. And, and this girl's school has a rule. So it's, 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 it's a very, it's a very particular girl's school. Uh, they have a certain, a very high standard. And he has a rule for his girl's school. If you are not enrolled in the girl's school from your first year in nursery, you do not get to come. That's his rule. If you are not enrolled from the very beginning, you do not get to come. Well, a a person moved to the to the area to the neighborhood, and they have a last name that signifies Yichus ancestry. They are from one of the most prestigious rabbinical dynasties in Jewish history, and they moved to the neighborhood. They wanted to send their daughter to the school, but their daughter had come from another neighborhood. Well, what do you think happened when they heard the word no from a blazer roberg? What do you think happened? I'll tell you what happened. They got everybody to call. Everybody, even the sire, the, the Zion, excuse me, the Zion of this, of this dynasty even the, the 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 most prestigious of of them who has a close relationship with him with with Maribi. and he called him up and he told him this is a rule that we have had and no matter who the family is we have kept this rule we are not breaking it now no matter what your name is no matter who you are It's a rule for a reason. And what message does that show? The Goldstein family, who are also very, very fine people, and they work so hard to get their daughter in, but they just don't have the right last name. No. He stood on his guns, and he never wavered. Elitists are not accustomed to that. On the contrary, they get their kicks off of living as elitists when we talk about Newsom and every and the treachery that he is he's that he's committed he was the mayor of San Francisco people walk down San Francisco with all the needles and all the human feces that are there but this is for him for the elitists to know that their rules don't apply to them that is how that is, that is the drug that they are, that they, that they, that they are, that they're living on. That's how they should get to show their superiority. Remember, what's, what's, what's normal to somebody whose life hasn't changed? BB is going through a, uh, he started one of his court cases today. I don't, I don't really know which one. Not, not really in, uh, following it too closely. But I remember years ago, I remember years ago, there, I was at the mechanic, and there was, uh, the television was on some Israeli news. I don't watch much, most, I don't watch much Israeli news. And I remember the television was on the Israeli news, and I was sitting there watching, and they were talking about, oh, it was, no, it was, it was a newspaper that the television was also on, but there was a newspaper, and it was talking about, oh my goodness, the waste that BB did for, for, uh, uh, the cost for breakfasts and snacks, and I don't know, all these different things. I was saying to myself, you know, I, I, I'm sure he's done things that you could actually get him for. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, I'm, I I'm have no doubt. You know, it's all, but the idea that we're going to get him for ordering, for ordering snacks, for ordering, you know, an, a nice platter of whatever. Do you think he knows what it costs? Do you think he knows how? You know, what do you even think he thinks about this? For better or for worse, you could say that's a complaint. Okay, but you know what? Who? That's just how they're trained. That's how they're trained. They're living off the government. They, they, that's, but that's the claim against him. Come on. Come on. That's, that's the claim. The claim is that he, oh, he, he was, he he spent so much money of the, 160,000 shekel in a month on just these frivolities. Yeah. Could be. Could be. But did he do something different than his other, than his peers? Did he do something different than the other, than the other prime, than the other, than the other, uh, ministers? Honestly. Honestly, that's what we're going to get them for? This is just how they live. They're completely disconnected. They're completely disconnected. Continues, Rob, the upper classes have found a solution to this problem. What's their solution? Luxury beliefs. These are are ideas and opinions that confer status on the rich at very little cost. While taking a toll on the lower class. Okay, we've talked at length, but who's suffering from these lockdowns? Which class of people? People have been brainwashed that voting for the underdog is virtuous. My own parentheses here: voting for the underdog is virtuous, and voting for my interests is selfish. So therefore, even though it's benefit, they, they know their taxes are going to be raised, whatever, however little it's going to cost them, but they get to feel virtuous. That they're doing it. That's one of the reasons why they didn't want the the the, the left has to deny that minorities voted for Donald to for Donald J Trump, because if they acknowledge that the, the minorities voted for him, then why are they why are why are the minorities not voting for their own interests? Why are the minorities not voting for their own interests? Is it, is it possible that aren't in, they aren't in their interests? Is it possible that these values aren't in their interests? Now he's going to enumerate different luxury beliefs. Different luxury beliefs. We're not going to address them all. We're, we'll mention them all. We're not going to do the do, not, We're not going to tr- um, discuss them to the same extent that he does. So, one example of luxury belief is that all family structures are equal. Relaxed attitudes about marriage trickle down the work to the working class and poor. In the 1960s, marriage rates between upper class and lower class Americans were nearly identical. But during this time, affluent Americans loosened social norms, expressing skepticism about marriage and monogamy. The luxury belief contributed to the erosion of the family. Today, the marriage rates of affluent Americans are nearly the same as they were in the 1960s, but working class people are far less likely to get married. Furthermore, out-of-wedlock birth rates are more than 10 times higher than they were in 1960, mostly among the poor and working class. Affluent people seldom have kids out of wedlock, but are more likely than others to express the luxury belief that doing so is of no consequence. Another luxury belief is that religion is irrational or harmful. Members of the upper class are most likely to be atheists or non-religious, but they have the resources and access to thrive without the unifying social edifice of religion. Places of worship are often essential for the social, social fabric of poor communities. Denigrating the importance of religion harms the poor. While affluent people often find meaning in their work, most Americans don't have the luxury of having a profession. They have jobs. Career versus jobs. Profession versus jobs. They clock in, they clock out without a family or community to take care of, to take care for. Such a job can feel meaningless. So again, these are all luxuries that the, that the wealthy have. And who suffers? Then there's the luxury belief that individual decisions don't matter much compared to random social forces, including luck. The key message is that outcomes of your life are beyond your control. This idea works to the benefit of the upper class and harms ordinary people. It is common to see students at prestigious universities work ceaselessly and then downplay the importance of tenacity. They perform an aw shucks routine to suggest that they just got lucky rather than accept credit for their efforts. This message is damaging. This message is damaging. If disadvantaged people believe random chance is the key factor for success, they will be less likely to strive. White privilege is the luxury belief that took me the longest to understand because I grew up around poor whites. Often members of the upper class claim That racial disparities stem from inherent disadvantages held by whites. Yet Asian Americans are more educated, have higher earnings, and live longer than whites. Affluent whites are the most enthusiastic about the idea of white privilege. Yet they they are the least likely to incur any costs for promoting that belief. Rather, they raise their social standing by talking about white privilege. They raise their social standing by talking about white privilege. Hear this, listen to this line here. This 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 paragraph. In other words, upper-class whites gain status by talking about their high status. When laws are enacted to combat white privilege, it won't be the privileged whites who are harmed. Poor whites will bear the brunt. Their beliefs and actions are damaging the rest of us. The disdain the elites have for us. Focus on this point here. This is my point: the disdain the the elites have for us. They need to protect us from misinformation because we are being misled, like we've played from Bill Gates. If they're honest about Islamic extremism, we'll just we'll start killing everybody. Why we have to be told that the virus is so deadly? It's so deadly that that you have to cover up yourself and you have to lock down. <clears throat> we aren't given. There's no room for us to have any thought. There's no room for us to have any thought because we're not capable of it. We're not capable of it. That's why I resist whenever I hear people, even people who I agree with on many things. Whenever they say that people, as a general rule, are stupid. No, that's not true. That is a that is a leftist idea. Yes, you might have been gifted with a higher level of intelligence. It's true. You may be. You may possess more critical thinking. But the honest truth is, is that, is that as we've talked before, we know the idea that mobs. Exist even amongst very intelligent people. No guns. America has a, has a second amendment, right? No guns for, for us. Only they can protect themselves. It's for our safety. You know, I'll say, I'll say something here that it's, it might not be, uh, might not be accepted by everybody, but I really do feel this. If you are a proponent of lockdown, if you believe that that's the solution, just like we said, that you're, that they obviously are hypocrites when it comes to everything, right? They don't, they don't, they don't, they, they they'll wear the mask over their eyes, but they don't, but they'll, but they'll have their married children over. So obviously they're 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 lying. They want everybody else to have a lockdown. But if you are a proponent, a vocal proponent of lockdown, as far as I'm concerned, you don't have any right to to to, to not take the vaccine. As far as I'm concerned, you you should be dragged out of your house. I really wouldn't mind if, if Arya Derry came to anybody who's a, promo, a, promo, a proponent of lockdown. If you've been promoting lockdown at any level, you should be dragged out of your house and forced the vaccine upon you. For the simple reason, for the simple reason that you don't get to decide which of these measures, you don't get to decide which of these measures are more important As far as you're concerned, if you're willing to inflict your views on other people, then you have to suffer whatever those consequences are. I'm passionate about this. Yes, it's true. I'm passionate about this. These people who think that they're doing the world a great service with their virtue, with their beliefs, no problem. You want to lock down? Lock down. No problem. You want to sacrifice yourself? Climate change. Who's climate change going to hurt? The wealthy still travel on their private jets. Let's be honest here. Who is it going to hurt? Who, when you, when you stop fracking, when you stop energy production, who does that hurt? Yes, it hurts some wealthy people who are, who run those industries. Sure. It hurts the people who have those jobs. When you automate trucking, who does that hurt? Yeah, sure. It hurts the companies that send out the trucks, but it hurts the the, the, the most, the, the, the largest, uh, non-college graduated sector of jobs out there. Hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people. I don't know how many it is, Yeah, we read this out, but I don't remember. Are, are truckers living a healthy life? You decide that your views they're not going to have any effect on you. They only hurt everybody else. They hurt the lower classes. They hurt the lower classes. You just pick up and move. That's what you do if it gets too tough. You just pick up and move, or you can just afford to 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 to, to live with it because because it, you don't mind the the feces and the needles on the floor. You just go into your gated home. To what extent does this go? To what extent are they willing to go? Well, we have an answer to that question. There was a Time magazine article. There was a Time magazine article, and just uh, just a couple days ago. It's an amazing article, because it's almost as though this would have been written by a right-wing conspiracy theorist. But it wasn't. It was written by Time magazine and published in their magazine. I'm going to read part of this article. It's a long article. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read part of it. A weird thing happened right after the November 3rd election. Nothing. The nation was braced for chaos. Liberal groups had vowed had vowed to take to the streets planning hundreds of protests across the country. Right-wing militias were girding for battle. Who says? I ask this question. Who who says right-wing militias were girding for battle? See, they have to equate liberal groups and right-wing militias. Notice the tone. Notice 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 the terminology. There are liberal groups planning hundreds of protests and right-wing militias were girding for battle. It's amazing. In a poll before the election day, 75% of Americans voiced concern about violence. Instead, an eerie quiet descended. As President Trump refused to concede, the response was not mass action, but crickets. When media organizations called the race for Joe Biden on November 7th, Jubilation broke out instead as people thronged cities across the U.S. to celebrate the democratic process that resulted in Trump's ouster. Democratic process. They're going to define what democratic process is. But let's just point out, I understand why the liberal protests never materialize. But what about the right-wing militia? What happened to them? A second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempts to reverse the result. Corporate America turned on him. Hundreds of major business leaders, many of whom who backed Trump's candidacy and supported his policies, called on him to concede. To the president, something felt amiss. It was all very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, says this article, Trump was right. What does that mean? Trump was right. In a way, Trump was right. Well, there was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes. Conspiracy. Isn't that that a bad word? There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. The pact was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and F-A-F-L-C-I-O, published on election day. Both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive, racial justice protests. This admission should shock us to our core. I'm going to read that again. Both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive racial justice protest. There's just, there's so much to unpack there. I really should devote a whole show to just this article. And I really wanted to, but I wanted to merge it with the, with the previous, with the previous conversation. What are they saying? So first of all they're saying that the that the summer's massive destructive that the summer, the summer's massive and destructive protests were coordinated and planned. Okay? Second, because they're racially justice, because they're for racial justice, so everything is okay. Remember, social justice, everything's okay. They're doing good. They're doing good. And and therefore, and therefore they they planned those in order to be able to do what they tried to do what they what they accomplished in which the forces of labor came together with the force of capital to keep the peace and oppose trump's assault on democracy what about donald trump's reign was an assault on democracy can anybody tell us it gets better the handshake between business and labor was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election. An extraordinary shadow of effort dedicated not to winning the vote, but to ensuring it would be free and fair, credible and uncorrupted. So they're going to protect. I'm not sure what they're protecting it from. They're protecting it from, well, let's see. What did they say? Free and fair, as opposed to uh, uh, corrupt. I mean, credible, uncorrupted. So they're protecting it. They're corrupting the election so that it wasn't corrupted by the wasn't. So the other person didn't win. That's what they're saying. There is a conspiracy on the left to make sure that the that Donald Trump didn't get another another four years. <laughs> they're writing this. It's it's unbelievable. There was a book uh, written. You know, we joked about it when um, when uh, Andrew Cuomo wrote his book. You, you know, if, if I if I, if I did it, this is how I would have done it. Um, OJ Simpson wrote the book. If I did it, this is how I would have done it. Killing when he, uh, describing how he would have killed Nicole Simpson and Ronald Ronald Goldman, um, and 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 uh, and so you know like this is this is what they they're writing. They're actually admitting it's an amazing thing that they that they that they think that they can do this isn't it don't isn't it an amazing thing that they think they can do this they can just tell us this and to a degree they're right because they completely own the modes the, the means of communication if you say if you deviate from the from the from the status quo it's not going to be very pleasant for you For more than a year, a loosely organized coalition of operatives scrambled to shore up America's institutions as they came under simultaneous attack from a remorseless pandemic and an autocratically inclined president. I want to define for you what autocratic means. What is autocratic? A leader who has absolute power. I want to ask you, which leaders... Have seized more control in the last year. Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, Andrew Cuomo, the murderer of New York, Gavin Newsom. Honestly, who's the autocrat? It's an amazing. It's an amazing uh, projection. Every single, every statement here. You said you could devote. Hours and hours and hours to unpacking this. They call the president an autocrat. Do you know the president is the only one to not try to make a government, create a government agency out of a crisis? The, the, after 9-11, government agencies sprang up. Homeland security. New laws. The president is the only one to not make new laws. Could you imagine had the current administration been in power last year? I saw a headline. We're not going to talk about this today, but I saw a headline that the administrative state has been instructed to just use this time now to make laws and laws and laws into the regulation system. It's an astounding statement calling him an autocrat. The scenario, the shadow campaigners were desperate to stop. was not a Trump victory. Of course not. That's not what they wanted. It was an election so calamitous that no result could be discerned at all. A failure of the central act of democratic self-governance that has been a hallmark of America since its founding. See here, they were just protecting democracy. That's all they were doing. They were just protecting democracy. That's all they want to do is just protect. They have such good intentions at heart that's all they want to do. Just protect. There was a poll talked about this poll in different different manners, but there was a poll that's more, that at least 75 percent of Republicans believe the election to be to be um, corrupt, the, the past election. The past election, 75% believe it was corrupt. Now, I think it's more than that because the president had as high as 97% polling in some areas. But let's just give him that, 75%. And 30% of Democrats. What does that tell you? 30% of Democrats, those are their own polls, are telling us that. Well, I, I one small you know small theory I have is that actually those thirty percent Democrats voted for Trump. That he didn't just get ninety seven percent of the vote; he got thirty percent of the Democrats, ninety seven percent of the Republicans, and thirty percent of, of the Democrats. What did that tell you? He has tremendous success. It's exactly why I like that that statistic. I, I found it thirty percent of Democrats because they voted and they said to themselves, "If I vote, if I'm a Democrat and I voted for the president, and there's no way." This election was real. Look at how many. I'm not the only one. I know tons of Democrats that voted for, the, for their president. If there were so many Democrats and he had 97% support amongst the Republicans, 92 to 97% amongst the Republicans, there's no way he lost the election. Because all you need, if Democrats and Republicans are basically 50-50, and all you need, if it's if it's only 50-50, I think it's actually more, whatever. Even so, Well, if you have 30%, so then you, now you have 80% of the country. What do you say to that? What do you say to that? What do you say to that? Let's call it 70%, 75% of the country voted for 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 for, 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 for Trump. The only way they could do what they wanted to do, the only way they could accomplish is what they did here. Their work touched every aspect of the election, continues the article. They got states to change voting systems and laws and help secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg gave between three and four hundred million dollars himself. We're, we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk about the whole article because we're, we're going to cut it short. But but I'm just going to finish off the the, the the introduction of it. There, the article details every single system that merged in order to change the outcome of the election. They fended off voter suppression lawsuits. What are voter suppression lawsuits? We talked about HR one. HR one, HR one is Nancy Pelosi's idea of federalizing the election system. No more do you have vote they, uh, voter ID. You have a season to vote by mail. Isn't that a brilliant idea? A season to vote by mail. That's what they want. They want a season to vote by mail with no voter ID. Surely there's nothing corrupt or dangerous about that. So the president and his legal team were were suing. No, those are called voter suppression lawsuits, and they fended those off. They recruited armies of poll workers and got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. They successfully pressured social media companies to take a harder line against disinformation and used data-driven strategies to fight viral smears give you an example Hunter Biden the laptop the FBI was investigating this the FBI didn't come out and talk about it and so the media could have uh, could could do whatever they wanted to do in order to squash that story they executed national public awareness campaigns that helped Americans understand how the vote count would unfold over days or weeks preventing Trump's conspiracy theories well what conspiracy theory? They're admitting to everything right now. What exactly would be considered, would constitute a conspiracy theory? That everyone's conspiring against him? Huh. Seems to me like that's what they're acknowledging. What about it? And false claims of victory. Well, what do you mean false claims of victory? You have the entire democratic establishment and all their media and all their tech and everything like that. And they come out and they declare Biden a winner. Who's going to be there to defend the president? It may not Who's going to be there to say no? I won. If not for the president, what do they expect? Is there somebody else that's defending him? Does he have his own media apparatus? The false claims of victory. Who does? Who stopped them from getting more traction? All the tech companies. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. After Election Day, they monitored every pressure point to ensure that Trump could not overturn the result. The untold story of the election is the thousands of people from, of both parties who accomplished the triumph of American democracy at its very foundation, says Norm Eisen, a prominent lawyer and former Obama administration official who recruited Republicans and Democrats to the board of the voter protection program. So what are you, if you're a Republican who's working to undermine the the people, what are you? You're a Republican? What about you, are you a Republican? Because you think that you, because you want open borders and, and low taxes for the elite? For Trump and his allies were running their own campaign to spoil the election, the president spent months insisting that mail ballots were a Democratic plot and the election would be rigged. Isn't that what they're admitting to right now? Is that not what they're admitting to right now? No, it's not. It's not it's not because we're just rigging the election to protect the democracy. It's amazing what you can do when you're de- when you're de- when you're protecting democracy. It's amazing what you can do when you're just trying to save the world. His henchmen, at the state level, sought to block their use, while his lawyers brought dozens of spurious suits to make it more difficult to vote. An intensification of the GOP's legacy of suppressive tactics. Before the election, Trump plotted to block a legitimate vote count, and he spent the months following November 3rd trying to steal the election he'd lost with lawsuits and conspiracy theories, pressuring on state and local officials, and finally summoning an army of supporters in a deadly riot of the violence of the Capitol. Deadly rally that ended in violence. Deadly violence in the capital. Without the country going through a real dangerous moment of unraveling. say I'm just wondering what, what would what determines unraveling. I mean, the right wants to operate through legal means. All of their members of their militia have legal gun licenses. The Constitution does say that when you are being threatened, you have the right to. To organize a militia. So what exactly would we call the moment the moment of unraveling? I just want to understand this. The left's use of, of force is justified, but the right's use is called an insurrection. Even though the right has things through legal means. It's an amazing we need to realize what exactly is going on around us, says former GOP representative Zach Womp, a Trump supporter who helped coordinate a bipartisan election protection council. We can look back in this and say things went pretty well. This is the inside story of the conspiracy to save the 2020 election. Based on access to the group's inner workings, never-before-seen documents, and interviews with dozens of those involved from across the political spectrum. It is the story of an unprecedented, creative, and determined campaign whose success also reveals how close the nation came to disaster. Every attempt to interfere with the proper outcome of the election was defeated. Says Ian Basson, co-founder of Protect Democracy, a non-partisan rule of law advocacy group. Well, if they said it themselves, then why, why, why? who am I to question? There must be non-partisan rule of law advocacy group. But it's massively important for the country to understand that it didn't happen accidentally. The system didn't work magically democracy is not self-executing. That's why the participants want the secret history of the 2020 election told. Even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. They were not rigging the election. They were fortifying it. Well, if you say it like that, of course. And they believe the public needs to understand the system's fragility in order to ensure that democracy in America endures. another 20 pages of this. Okay? They go through the entire thing at length not doing that not today i don't know if ever we've heard enough goes through the exactly how they did it exactly how they did it the architect the alliance you name it securing the vote everything with all their beautiful terms their leftist terms we have to remember the found the fundamentals here they have their luxury beliefs that they virtue signal and they have their conscience aiding and abetting every single thing that they're doing. And we must be ready. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims is the most, may be the most oppressive. What else is happening here? You can convince yourself everything is great. You can rationalize. You can rationalize every single thing you do if your if your if your conscience is 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 on your side. And you can commit the greatest evils at the same time. This has been our show today. I am Ellie Shapiro. This is the morning mix. And you know we are getting new listeners on different platforms. Please send an email. Currently the address is real at gmail.com. Send an email, tell us a little bit about the show that you interests you. Interact and uh we look forward to being with you again, please God, tomorrow morning. I'm Ellie Shapiro, have a great day.